at, uh, on our amazing worship team. Aren't they just doing a superb job? I'm so blessed. Actually, as a church, I think we're so blessed by the level of musicianship. The quality of the guys involved um, is just really amazing for the size of our church right now. And um, I particularly enjoy that song, Be Still, um, this morning. And you know what? That, that still gets me, that, uh, that whole thought of not being afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, even though even, you know, I've been a Christian for many, many years, but I still get moments when I feel scared. I still get moments where I, I feel like I want to shrink back and I, I, I don't want to step forward. And the constant word of encouragement I get from the Holy Spirit is, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Come on, you've got this. You and me together, the partnership of little old me and awesome God is incredible. It's so powerful. And it's one of the the key things about Christianity is to understand so that we don't keep shrinking back because we're just looking at our own abilities and our own powers, but we're actually saying, yes, I'm weak. Yes, I don't have much. But if I combine the little that I have with the awesome thing that Christ has, all of a sudden I become a different creation. I become a different person. And that's what we're all about as Christians, right? Um, so we're up to week three of this, uh, this amazing series. And um, I've been really encouraged by it. I've been challenged by it at the same time, I've got to say. And, um, you know, we, we do this series every year. And I, I just want to encourage you. It's not because we want to hammer something out because we just want you to do stuff. It's because we believe that there's actually a blessing in the way that we live this life. There is actually a blessing in it. And we want you to be blessed. We really do. And I feel like today I'm going to be a little, little bit like that gym instructor that's always got a smile on their face. You know, those, those guys, they're always positive. They're so positive. And they're always saying, you can do it. Yes, today's an awesome day. You're going to do it. It's going to be great. Come on. I feel like that guy today a little bit, but spiritually speaking, okay, that positivity, I want you to get it in you. I want you to understand that there is a great blessing if we can do money the way that God intended for us to do it. So in week one, Christy talked a little bit about the tithe, and I'm just going to recap very slightly. She talked about, and and I'll jump ahead a few slides, guys, but um, she talked about this cycle of we consume, we lack we fear. And it goes round and round and round in this cycle. We consume, we lack, and we fear. And I I actually do relate to that. I think it's a human trait because so often you think, I don't have enough, and fear creeps back in again. But the, the cycle that God wants us to live is so different. It's we give, God multiplies, and faith grows. We give, God multiplies, and faith grows. I'll just chuck that next slide up if you can, Foz. Um, alrighty, so um, Chrissy talked about the tithe in week one. The tithe. The tithe represents 10%. The tithe is a word which actually means 10%. So as Christians, we believe that um, God has instructed us to give back to God 10% of what we earn. Tithe is 10%. So, um, tithe actually predates the law. So, for many Christians these days, sometimes there's a bit of an argument that says, well, that was, you know, in Moses' day, the tithe was all about the, the rules and regulations. We've superseded that because we're living in, in uh, the new era of Christ's law, which is different. 
Um, however, the tithe actually predates Moses. It was at the very beginning of creation. And it also goes on, and even in Jesus' day, there was the tithe, and Jesus talked about the tithe as well. So um, that's really an important part of our Christianity. The second point that I want to raise here, that the tithe is what we give first. It's our first 10%. It's not our leftover 10%. And Christy gave the example of the offerings in Bali that were kind of the half-chewed-on piece of Vegemite toast or um, whatever Balinese people like putting on their, their toast in the morning. Um, you know, the, the leftovers. But God doesn't want us to give Him our leftovers. And the, and the tithe is really about giving what's first. And it is always a step of faith. Because you say to yourself, if I give that first bit to God, then I might not have enough at the end of the month. Isn't that the way we think? I might, there might not be enough. And I'm scared about that. And I'm worried about that. So what I'll do, fail safe, is I'll give God the 10% at the end of the month when you know, I've spent all my money and I'll see what's left over. But that no longer becomes faith. It's no longer a step of faith for you to give the first 10%. And God wants our hearts. He's not really after our money. He's after our hearts. And that's why He asks us to give it first. Third point I want to raise is this, that we are returning something that belongs to Him. It's not ours in the first place. It's not ours to give. It's not ours to give because it's not ours. It's his, right? So we say that we return it. I'm returning something that actually belongs to you in the first place. And that brings me to my final point about the tithe, is that when we give that 10% first, the rest is blessed. The rest is blessed. When There's this transaction that takes place, that step of faith that I take when I say I'm willing God to give you that first, or I'm returning that first 10% to you. The rest becomes blessed. And how many know that 90% with God's blessing is always better than 100% without the blessing? Do you understand that? There's always the power of multiplication at work in your money when you're willing to give Him that first 10%. Then all of a sudden, that 90% has a blessing on it. Just so you understand, the blessing on the 90% is like a supercharged seed, if you like. So if I go out and I sow something out of that 90%, there is a blessing on it to multiply. There is a blessing on it for a return. And it's really important where you plant your seed, but I won't go into that too much detail right now. So really, it's, I want to talk about today a little bit about the heart, because I think you can talk about money all you like, but really when it boils down to it, it's about the heart. It's about our heart's attitude to it. And I want to break that down a little bit today. So the first question I want to ask you is this. Are you rich? Are you rich or are you poor? Are you rich? Do you have enough? Do you have a lot? Do you have a little? I think most Aussies, the first thing that comes to mind is, no, 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 we don't want to be rich. No Aussie wants to be rich, do we? We don't want to stand out from the crowd and look too rich. There's no not many Australians that I know that if they were to get rich, they start wearing really blingy rings and showing everybody how rich they are. That's not the Australian way. So most of us will say, no, 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 I'm not rich, even if I am. The second driving thing is, um, what is the second driving thing? I better check my notes. I think we, we would actually like to be rich. 
we would actually like to be a little bit further along the road than we are, right? There's always that, that thing that I would like to have. There's not many people that say, yes, I'm actually really comfortable where I'm at. I feel like all my needs are being met. God's with me. I'm blessed. I have enough. Most of us would say, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not dirt poor, but I'm not really where I want to be. Would you agree? Like deep down, if we're willing to, mate, you don't have to tell me, but, you know, confess to yourself, yes, I'm not always 100% content with how much I have. I would like that little bit extra more. So if, some, if your boss came to you and said, look, $10,000 raise, bang, there it is. How would you feel about that? Would you be rich with that extra $10,000? Would that be enough to kind of answer those, those extra little things that you need in life? Maybe, maybe not. What if your boss came to you and said in a fit of pique, there you go, $100,000, I can see that you're worth it, you're a hard worker, you can have an extra $100,000 a year. Would you feel rich then? Would that tick the rich box for you? And the crazy thing to me is, and what I'm trying to get at is that no matter how much you have, most people will never feel rich. You ask a rich person if they feel rich. You ask a multimillionaire if they feel rich. And a lot of them would probably say, yeah, but my boat's not as good as that guy's boat. You know, my holiday mansion is not as nice as their holiday mansion next door. You know, they've got two jacuzzis and I've only got one jacuzzi. I don't know. The things that, that rich people worry about. But the funny thing is that whether you're rich or whether you're poor, there's always going to be room for you to go, ah, that little bit more, that little bit more. And, you know, your attitude to money is, um, is irrelevant to the amount that you've got. I mean, I remember meeting a guy who was a multi-multi-millionaire. And he would drive around in this beat-up old high-ace van, rust, you know, all that down the bottom. And it was like, well, why are you doing that? You've got all the money. You could be driving the, the, a Ferrari if you wanted to. But he, they chose, and, and so many people who actually have the funds believe that they don't have enough. So it is actually all about the heart. And I want to talk to you today about being blessed with what you have and using what you have to be a blessing. So our key uh, verse today comes out of the Gospel of Mark. It's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And actually there's three accounts, there's three Gospel passages that talk through this, but we're going to read Mark's one today. So we start from Mark 6, starting in verse 34. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and he said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, You feed them. With what? They said, We'd have our work cut out for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and they reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups of, on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and he blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. 
He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. What an incredible story. And I know if you've been to growing up in church and you've heard the stories from kids' church, you probably grow a little bit immune to that sort of story. But the significance of it is incredible. And I do really love the difference. Really what it highlights to me is the difference between our small-minded mindsets that we often have about what we have and what we don't have. And God's just completely blowing that away every, every single opportunity that He had. After all, Jesus, when He came to earth, one of the key verses, one of my favorite verses, in fact, Jesus said in John 10 verse 10, I've come that they would have life and have it in abundance. Life and life in abundance. Abundant life. That's really what I'm all about. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't mind a little bit of abundant life. Abundant life. The first thing is that uh, I find quite hilarious about this story is this first sort of mission impossible moment where Jesus says to them, you feed them. There's nothing in the, there's no sort of, like the imp- it's so impossible to come up with the, with the amount required. So Jesus says to them, with, you know, just, it seems so heartless, doesn't it? It seems so like uncaring to put them in such distress. But he said, you feed them. You feed them. And you can imagine the, the disciples' response to that kind of impossible request. Impossible request. And I can imagine them going, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on a minute. There is no way that we are going to get what we have, which happens to be five loaves of bread and two fish, to feed these 5,000 families. It wasn't even just 5,000 people, 5,000 families. I don't know, double that, 10,000 people, maybe more. You know, five, uh, five loaves and two fish just seems absolutely so insignificant. So um, he says, you feed them. And they, and they said, well, look, there's no way. And I can imagine them pulling out the, the facts. Jesus, let me educate you for a minute in facts. Jesus, I don't think you understand the facts quite. You obviously got your head in the clouds, like you're all spiritual with God and talking to God and all that. That's wonderful. But down here on earth, we've got facts to deal with. Here's the facts, Jesus. And they pulled out the Excel spreadsheet. We've done some projections. We worked it out. Here's our ziggy-zaggy graph, which shows it quite clearly. They might have even pulled out a pie graph. I don't know. Pie graph for the... Uh, uh, that's my um, poor, poor attempt at humor. They might have pulled out a pie graph to say, this is what we've got. This is what we don't have. This is enough. And it's clearly, I mean, maybe, just maybe... We might have been able to divide those five loaves into teensy-weensy pieces, like 5,000 tiny little pieces, and everyone gets a crumb. And then we could do it. And then we could do it. It's so funny how we believe in facts so much. We love facts. And, um, sorry, I've lost my point. 
notes once again. But facts rule our lives, don't they? If we let them. Facts often rule our lives. And so, you know, we feel like, oh, the money's going out a little bit too fast, so we better rein in the spending. And I get that. I understand. You know, it's important for us. But not at the expense of learning to be generous. In fact, with generosity, Jesus said, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Sometimes as that response is actually required because we're so big on the facts that we let the facts dominate what God wants us to do. And speaking of generosity, I mean, I, lo- I do work really hard at being generous, but there's some areas of my life I'm just, I'm just not generous, I have to confess. One of my key areas, my key faults, is actually being generous with food. Like, I really struggle with food. And like, we've got four kids, and they're getting bigger, right? And when they were little, it was fine. And I had, you know, the lion's share of the leftovers. <laughs> Next morning... I open the fridge, what's left over? I can take the Chinese or the leftover chicken roast. Now all of a sudden they're into it. So I get there and there's like a soggy carrot or something to, to take to work. And it makes me so mad. I'm like, get away from mine. It's mine. It's my food. So uh, that's an area that I'm working with, okay. I can see that's a problem. But facts will never see a miracle take place. Facts will never see a miracle take place that is going to require faith you're going to need to see some faith in order for a miracle to take place and faith will always ask you to do the impossible thing faith every single time faith is going to demand for you to do something impossible you think about um the story of um the story of elijah when um, he goes to the widow's house and he asks, she's got nothing left, just one meal left, and he goes, feed me with it. Feed me with it. Like, it's just so on PC to do that. Jesus says to the lame man who's sitting there on the road, clearly lame, he says, get up. Get up and walk. Do the impossible. Do the impossible. So the story that you find, this very story that we've just read about in Mark, is also found in John 6. And there's a few slightly different details in there. And one of them is that it was actually a little boy who had the five loaves and the two fish. And I was thinking about that, and I wonder to myself if that kid decided to not donate his lunch. What if that was his only lunch? And he had to give it up and he just said, I just can't do it. And what's the point anyway? Because it's just such a small donation. What if the disciples said, you know what? We can't let this little kid, we can't take his lunch away. In fact, I pretty much know that they wouldn't mind taking his lunch away. But say, for example, they said, you can't do that. He's just a little kid. You can't take a little kid's food away. You can't do that. It's just, it's... It's not right. It's like saying, you know, um, Joel talked about the widow who brought the offering last week. The widow who had only two copper coins and she brought that. And Jesus was observing them and he saw that there, there were rich people giving out of their abundance. And then there, were, there was this poor widow who only had two coins and she gave those two coins. And he said, her offering was of greater value in the kingdom of God than all the money, the money from these other people. 
He didn't say, he didn't sugarcoat it for her. He didn't say, oh, no, 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 no. We can't have poor people giving money to God. That's not right. That's not fair. It's not the way the kingdom of God operates. See, Jesus saw the sacrifice that was involved. He saw the faith that was involved for that old lady. And he knew that there was value in it. And you, we need to understand that we can't sort of sugarcoat it and we can't sort of say, oh, well, because you don't have enough, you don't do it. You don't need to do it. That's not going to stretch anybody's faith, whether we're rich or poor. So how about if it was you holding that bread? How about if it was you holding that fish and there was 5,000 people out there? That was your only meal or it was going to feed your family for that day. What would you do? What would have been your response? Am I going to give that away? What's, I mean, there's no promise. There's no, there's no um, precedent for Jesus doing that before. So it's just like, oh, well, do I give it all up? There's no like expectation that something incredible is just about to happen. Hold on to your ties. You know, this is going to turn into hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of meals. There was no promise of that going to be able to take place. So what are we going to do? Are we going to let fear dominate our thinking with money? Are we going to let fear kind of keep us clamped down tight? Or are we going to allow the spirit of generosity to rise up in our hearts out of faith? Guys, I want to encourage you. It's not about how much you've got. I can't stress that enough. It's not about how much you have or how much surplus you have. It's about stepping out in faith, believing that God has something for you in that step of faith of being generous. Let's not believe some of these lies that we often tell ourselves. I'll be generous when I'm richer. You know, so many conversations I've had, and to be honest, I've thought this too. When I'm rich, when I win the lotto, when I have loads and loads of money, then I'll start being generous. Because we think that, don't we? Because we, in our mind's eye, we think, well, my budget at the moment is only, you know, this amount. So when I earn my millions, well, look, think about the excess that I'll have. Surely I'll be generous with that. But the thing is that you get richer and then you think to yourself, oh, well, I need better clothes now, obviously, because I'm walking with around with rich people and I need to have the boat and I need to have the bigger house. And so actually, I don't really have any leftovers. Actually, my plate's full because I've got to get the life insurance and I've got to get the health insurance and I've got to get all these other things too. So actually, I don't have any leftover. And that's what happens. And if you're not going to be generous when you have little, then you're not going to be generous when you have a lot. It doesn't happen. It really just doesn't happen. Another lie that we tell ourselves I can't afford to be generous right now. I just can't afford it. I've got way too many expenses on my plate. We've got way too many things we've got to be doing with our money. Things are tight. I can't afford to do it right now. And I think we've just been through that in a little, a little bit of detail. The third thing that we say to ourselves is, you know, my offering is just so small. I'm just not going to bother. It's just so small. It's insignificant. And I f- almost feel ashamed to give it. Because like other people are probably giving lots and lots more than me. And I, I feel stupid. I feel stupid. But what if that 
that boy with the, the bread and the fish felt the same way. I just feel stupid. It's so dumb. It's dumb. And we try and, because we shame ourselves and we, we feel ashamed that, that it's not going to do anything, that we give it up altogether and we just walk away. And we miss an opportunity for a miracle to take place. Guys, we've got to understand what it is to walk with Christ. The power of a miracle that can happen with whatever offering that we have, with whatever step of faith that we're willing to take. And it's not just about money, it's about anything in life. Whether you have a little or whether you have a lot, doesn't matter. It's about the sacrifice that you're willing to take. And that little sacrifice, that, that little bread, combined with the power of Christ in your life, incredible things can take place. Your little offering, your little sacrifice, whatever it might be, combined with the power of God in your life, incredible things can take place. You need to overlook or look beyond this thought that it's just my little offering. Just your little offering. If you're willing to look at the facts, then you're missing out on the power of God working in your life, working through your step of faith. But if you don't take the step of faith, then you don't see the miracle. It's like that, I've, I missed it before, but that's that uh, movie called Mission Impossible. And they always come at the beginning of the, you know, the adventure. The guy says, your mission, should you choose to accept it? Should you choose to accept it? You've got a choice. If you want to take that crazy leap of faith, then you're going to see incredible things take place. But if you choose not to accept it, then you can live a different kind of a life. You can live a life based on your balance sheet. You can live a life based on your hard work. And that's fine. You're willing to do that. And it's your free choice, your free will choice. But if you're willing to take a step of faith, you're going to see incredible things take place. And that's what I want to encourage you in today. I'll leave you with this thought from Proverbs. Proverbs eleven twenty four. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be, will be refreshed. It's a, it's a great one to ponder on. So I feel challenged to be generous. And we as a church feel like we were asking ourselves, what can we do to Im- increase our level of generosity? Can we keep stretching ourselves to be more generous? Is that possible? Because I think if you're willing to stretch yourself a little bit, then you'll grow in faith. And then you're willing to take a bigger step. And then you're willing to take a bigger step. So this is the first step. And one of many, I believe, which is going to increase our level of generosity as a church. And it's called One for One. And it's a simple premise. So for every one person that comes into church... And we've made it once a month, so we're starting on Cafe Sunday, which is next week, by the way. For every one person that comes into the church, we're going to promise to donate a dollar towards somebody who is in need. Somebody in our community, somebody who we found out about is not necessarily part of our community, something maybe further afield, but somebody in need. And you might say to me right now, well, come on, roughly 70, 80 people here. 
70, 80 bucks, what's the big deal? But that 70 or 80 dollars that no one's given us an extra 70 or 80 dollars, we've just decided that we want to step out in faith, believing that as we step out in generosity, God's going to bring back a return. Not so that we can, you know, buy more stuff for ourselves, just so that we can give more. And I believe that's the beginning of something that we can take bigger and bigger leaps of faith in generosity.